so we are looking at Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. And then next week we will continue on in our series through Romans. Acts chapter 1, 1 through 11, on page 4. This is Luke who wrote the book, speaking. In the first book, O Theophilus, that being the Gospel of Luke, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. The word of the Lord. Well, it's interesting when one examines the greatest movements in the world, you will discover that often they begin not with a bang, but with a whisper. I don't know if you've read the book by Malcolm Gladwell, The Tipping Point, but it's a fascinating study in sort of these little elements, the final point, if you will, when things move over and there's a cataclysmic shift in our culture. It's everything from Rosa Parks, who refuses to give up her seat on a bus, sparking the civil rights movement. It's Martin Luther tacking a document in Latin, no less, on the chapel door in Wittenberg and beginning the Reformation. It's William Wilberforce with a lone voice in the House of Commons submitting a bill to end and outlaw slavery. And 26 years later, the Slave Trade Act being passed. Movements all too often begin not with a bang, but with a whisper. But these movements, as powerful as they are, are dealing not with resurrection, but rather rehabilitation of our society, of our culture, that has deviated from that which is good and true. Jesus Christ started a movement far different from those that didn't deal with rehabilitation from the outside in, but resurrection from the inside out. These various people sought to cure an ill or evil of society and succeeded in doing so. Jesus Christ came to make the world new, to make all things new, to change all things so they could never be the same again. And he chose to set off this greatest movement by dying on a cross, rising again, choosing 12 nobodies, and telling them they were going to transform the world. But wait, and you will receive power when the Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, 
and to the ends of the earth. And this call to the apostles has moved on to all disciples. As you saw from our praying the scriptures section, Matthew 28. All authority has been given to me, so therefore, Christian, go and make disciples of all nations. In fact, our faith, each one that we have, our belief in Jesus Christ, if in fact you are a follower of Jesus, comes because somebody shared the faith with you and somebody shared the faith with them. And it goes on and on through the centuries, even the millennia, back to this original 12 who came from Jesus. The kingdom of God is in the business of transformation. And the church was formed to be in the transforming business. So since God has promised to do the transforming, we must be faithful in doing the witnessing. This passage teaches us three truths as we examine what it means to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Number one, we can witness with confidence because we have received Christ's presence. Number two, we can witness with boldness because we have received Christ's plan. And finally, number three, we can witness with effectiveness because we have received Christ's power. Since God has promised to do the transforming, we must be faithful in doing the witnessing. Well, let's begin with this first point. We can witness with confidence because we have his presence. This chapter starts out with Luke who is speaking to Theophilus. This letter apparently has been written to him. He says in this first book, Theophilus, meaning the Gospel of Luke, Luke and Acts are bookends. They're two books, one and two. They're sequels. I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. And now he's moving into uh, the book of Acts, the second book. But I appreciate the way Luke says, in the first book, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. He didn't say, I have dealt with all that Jesus taught and did. No, rather, it's about beginning, not ending. Jesus has died on the cross. He has risen again in the book of Luke. He's ascended to heaven, but it's not over. In fact, Jesus has just begun. He's began to do and teach. And so this is the book of Acts is a further discussion, a further exposition of Jesus who continues to work as the resurrected Christ on the face of the earth. Indeed, Jesus is continuing to work today. He is alive and well on planet earth. In verse 3, he continues, he presented himself alive to his disciples after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So Luke is talking about this interim period between Jesus' resurrection and Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit descends upon the church, when 3,000 believers are added and the church explodes. Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, appeared over a period of 40 days and taught his disciples, his apostles, what they would need to know to go and become the apostles to share the gospel. Indeed, the word apostle means sent ones. They were the sent ones. And so as this Jesus came to them, it was clear that it was Jesus, and yet he was not the same. The Jesus they had last seen was a broken, brutalized, bloodied Jesus. But Jesus was 
fit and strong and alive. He had a physical body, remember? Touch my hands, feel my side. Yet Jesus was not the same. He had the power to walk through walls, to appear, to disappear. Indeed, he was so glorious that at times they didn't even recognize him. And yet it was the same Jesus, the human God, Jesus, who was resurrected. Jesus begins to minister, we see, in a different way. Look in verse 2, until the day when he was taken up, so over 40 days, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. Nowhere in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John does it use this language of giving commands through the Holy Spirit. But Jesus' plans have always been to provide the Holy Spirit to minister to the people. Remember in John 16, as they're heading toward the Mount of Olives, where Jesus is going to be betrayed. Jesus says to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is to come. I will not leave you as orphans, in John 14, 18, he says, but I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And on that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. And so there is a transition that is occurring here. The Jesus, the physical Jesus is there. But his Holy Spirit, he is providing to his disciples. In fact, it says that he breathed on them the Holy Spirit so they could understand what he was teaching them. They received the first deposit of the Holy Spirit, the 12 apostles, before it was given out 50 days later on the day of Pentecost. Jesus goes so far as to say it's for your good that this is going to happen. Because I'm not only going to be with you, apostles, I'm going to be in you. You're going to receive power. Notice in verse 4, he says, you must wait and not depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Why is Jesus doing this transition, moving from ministering through his person, through ministering by his Holy Spirit? Because they're going to need the Holy Spirit to be witnesses. Now, what exactly is a witness? We think of witness in pretty much the same way as they do, but with some differences. See, back then when there was a trial, it wasn't handled by attorneys for the defense and attorneys for the prosecutor who were both presenting arguments before a judge. No, it was actually handled by the judge himself. There were no advocates in the same way as we use lawyers. The judge was seeking the truth. And so if you, were a pros if you were a defendant, your goal was not to have a highly trained professional who would be able to argue your case, but the most important thing to you was an eyewitness or a character witness to tell the truth to the judge. What you needed was an intimate friend, not a professionally trained, dispassionate lawyer who didn't know you. You see, the Holy Spirit 
is and was the intimate friend of Jesus. When you think about it, it was the Holy Spirit that conceived Jesus in the womb of the Virgin Mary. It was the Holy Spirit that led Jesus into the desert, into the wilderness. It was through the Holy Spirit that the Father was with Jesus. Indeed, Jesus was raised from the dead by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the intimate friend of Jesus. He is the one who can testify to Jesus who he is. And Jesus knew that the disciples would need the testimony of that intimate friend as they would experience the persecution, as they would wander through a disbelieving world trying to share about Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit that would remind the apostles and who reminds us of all the things that Jesus did and said. See, the apostles' role was to be a witness. John 15, 27 puts it this way. When Jesus says to the apostles, you must also bear witness as you have been with me from the beginning. And so the Holy Spirit is given to the apostles. And they go and they testify. Think of the experiences and challenges of these apostles as they went out into a world that had seen Jesus crucified. And then they shared. They were whipped. They were derided. They were chastened. They were warned. And that they could not help speaking about the one whom they had seen and heard. Why? Because Jesus' Holy Spirit was in them. And through that Holy Spirit, they were continue. They would continue to hear the words of Jesus. I am with you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I will lift you up. I will strengthen you. That same Holy Spirit, the presence of Jesus. I love the way in Romans 8 where it says that anyone who does not have the Spirit of God does not belong to Him. But if anyone has the Spirit of Christ, he has Christ. Christ is in him. The Spirit and Jesus are interchangeable. So if you really wanted to title the book of Acts, it's not the Acts of the Apostles. It's really the continuing acts of Jesus by His Holy Spirit through the apostles. Why were the apostles able to testify with such passion? Because Jesus was in them and they knew Him. And so the question we have to ask is this. Do we know Him? Is the Spirit of Jesus residing in our hearts? Are we in communion with Him? Being built up and strengthened with Him. Learning about the kingdom of God from Him through His Word. See, like the apostles, the same Holy Spirit that dwelt in them were a witness to our friend, Jesus Christ, through the testimony of the Holy Spirit. Without Jesus, what do we have to give? Nothing. But with Jesus, we have everything to give. We can witness with confidence because we have received Christ's presence. But we can also witness with boldness because we know His plan. Point two. In verse three, it shows that Jesus presented Himself to these apostles 
And he appeared to them over 40 days and he spoke with them about the kingdom of God. In verse 6, the apostles, when they'd come together, asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Remember, the apostles are part of Israel who have been under the thumb of the Romans for centuries. They've experienced persecution. They've been taught to think about the coming of the kingdom of God in a political fashion. And that temptation to see Jesus as a political Messiah who will ease all of their external problems continues. But you see, they've made three crucial errors about understanding the kingdom of God. Number one, that it was political and territorial. Notice, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? In other words, are you going to kick out the bad guys, bring in the good guys, and make Israel be in charge of everything? It was also nationalistic. There was no vision for other nations, other ethnicities, other tribes. It was all about us, nothing about them. And finally, it was immediate. Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? In other words, are you going to make it happen, the revolt to occur right now, now that you're alive? But what does Jesus say? In verse 7, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, not only in this city, Jerusalem, not only in Judea and Samaria, but to the ends of the earth. It's like the apostles said to Jesus, all right, is it going to be red or black? And Jesus says it's going to be blue. What Jesus is saying is, what I'm talking about is beyond the scope of your small understanding. Indeed, until I give you the Holy Spirit, you can't see a vision of what I'm trying to do. I'm not in the business of restoration, apostles. I'm in the business of transformation. Not from the outside in, but from the inside out. And the church which I'm building is going to transform the world one heart at a time. Notice at verse 9, when Jesus says these things and he's, as they're looking on, he's lifted up in a cloud, took him out of their sight. And while they stand there gazing up at heaven, a rebuke comes from these two angels. Why do you stand looking up into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. In other words, your business is not up there waiting for him to come back. Your business is to focus on the mission that he's given you right now. To be about your Lord's work just as he was about the Father's work. The way Jesus is transforming the world, apostles, is through your heart. And this community, and Samaria, which was a cross-culture, and the world beyond. You see, it's the same for us. We are the descendants of the apostles. And the message continues to go out. As on this day, the Lord's Day, hundreds of millions, even billions, worship Jesus Christ today. Whether it's underground in the church in Saudi Arabia, 
or a few people left in a giant cathedral in Rome or Scandinavia. See, we have to focus on the teaching us, reminding us of what we're about. We will lose our focus. And we will either look to build a kingdom that is outward and behavior-based, or we will withdraw from the world and continue to stare at the sky, not being part of what God is doing. See, they were looking to build an outward behavior-based kingdom, but didn't get at the core of a transformed heart. The church they were going to build before the Holy Spirit was based on activities and methods and movements. If we're not careful walking by the Holy Spirit, we'll seek to build a kingdom that's self-focused, not God-focused and others-focused. A kingdom that meets our benefits rather than God's. Indeed, it will be a superficial kingdom because a kingdom without the Spirit cannot transform anything. Ultimately, what we'll end up doing is withdrawing from this evil world and staring at the sky, waiting, totally divorced from the power that He gives us. See, that's the thing about a stream or a river. We got to go tubing uh, while we were at Cherokee down one of these great rivers. And the reason there's power flowing through this river is because the rain comes down from the mountains and it flows through and it filters into a, a bigger tributary that ultimately goes into the sea. And there's a power, a flow, if you will, and that's the current, if you will, that creates the ride that we have. If you stop it up, eventually the current will stop. It won't go anywhere. It will find a different place to go out. See, the Spirit makes us His witness. The Spirit gives us boldness. And the Spirit teaches us and shows us what God's plan is to transform the world. I love this. But you will receive power and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's Virginia Beach. Excuse me, first it begins in your heart. First you understand your heart and then Virginia Beach. And then cross-culturally, that's Samaria. We did a little of that with the Cherokee Nation, but they're all sorts of different people, different ethnicities, different nationalities in this place, isn't there? And the world beyond. That is the plan. Moment by moment, heart by heart. We don't understand it. The Spirit blows where it will. I can give a talk to a hundred people who are not Christians. And for some of them, the light comes on. For other people, it's like I was speaking to a wall. How does that work? I don't know how it works. Life finds a way. The Cherokee people who we went to, in some ways, were so different from ours. It's just interesting to watch their mentality and vision. They're, they had a sense of culture and oneness as a people. And yet they didn't know their history. The problems and the uh, issues that plagued them seemed to plague all of them, seemed to distribute throughout that entire people. But they were just like us in the sense that they were people and humans who had the same desires that we did. 
for purpose, for meaning, for belonging, to love and be loved. We're all the same because we're all part of the same race. It's called the human race. It's the witness that people need. See, we know his plan. The question is, will we participate in it? What we need is a spirit to move in our hearts. And what we need is each other. Jesus never sent just one. He always sent two. At the least, two by two going out into the world. And so my question, I guess, for you is this. Where is your Jerusalem? Where is your Judea? Where is your Samaria? Where has God planted you? Abba Carlos, I can't make a difference. No, you can't. But he can. And he's in you. And you're in him. Carlos, I don't want to. But he wants to. And he's in you and you're in him. I think I'm terrible at witnessing, by the way. Truth of the matter. I'm scared to death. Well, you're a pastor, Carlos. You need to... No, I'm shy. But you know what? He's in me and I'm in him. And I do not preach myself. But Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. Because the gospel is the power of salvation for all those who believe. It's not me. I don't have anything to give aside from him. But because I have him, I have everything to give. See, that's the great thing about Christianity. We're not used car salesmen of the Christian faith. We're ambassadors of the living God who dwells within us. We are receptacles of his power, his current flowing through us to reach others. I remember one of my favorite guys, his name was Jeff Stables. I used to work with Young Life. I used to walk into high schools and tell people about Jesus. I think I was terrified every time I walked out of my car. And Jeff Stables was one of the high school kids at Fort Defiance High School. How's that for a high school? Sharing about Christ, Fort Defiance. And Jeff was about as far as you could get. If you were to pick out of this school the one kid who would not receive Jesus Christ as Lord, it would be him. But for whatever reason... Jeff came to camp with me to Saranac. And I remember sitting with him after day three of him hearing the speaker. And he came into the cabin. Something was different. He said, Carlos, I get it. What do you mean you get it? I've been sharing it with you for I don't know how long. The spirit blows where it will. I get it. Meaning the spirit was in his heart. And it was a rocky beginning for Jeff Stables. Sent him home for drugs the next, the next uh, uh, summer. But the Lord wouldn't let go of Jeff. And because the Lord wouldn't let go, Jeff couldn't let go of the Lord. And he grew. Found a gal in college who loved the Lord too. And they got married. Raised their kids to honor the Lord. Got involved in ministry. Uh, became a Young Life staff person as well. Jeff was diagnosed with a tumor at the young age of 36, I guess. 
went home to be with the Lord. I went to his funeral in Culpeper, which was filled to the brim. Probably eight, nine hundred people had come out. Because this guy loved Christ, and because he loved Christ, loved people. See, we can witness with confidence because we receive Christ's power. But we can also witness with boldness because we've received Christ's plan. Jesus said it, that settles it. Go and share. I'll do the rest. Don't worry about it. I'll be with you. And my message is the power of salvation for all who believe. See, since God has promised to do the transforming, we just need to be faithful in doing the witnessing. Because the kingdom of God is about transformed lives, and the church was formed to be in the transforming business. This brings me to my final point. We can witness with effectiveness because we have received Christ's power. I love that in verse 8. But you will receive power when the Spirit comes upon you. If we're in the information business, we need eloquence. But if we're in the transformation business, we need power. This word power, by the way, in the Greek, dunamis, is the word, which is the same root word for dynamite. You will receive dynamite. Now, I'm not dynamite. What's that guy? I, I, have, I want to, but I won't. I won't. Dynamite's something you carry, isn't it? It's not something you are. But we have this treasure, says the Apostle Paul, in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. In other words, it's in your brokenness. It's in your humility. It's in your humanness that Christ shines forth the most. If you really want to see a light far off, you've got to get as dark as possible, right? Because the light shines brightest in the darkness. We have received this all-surpassing power in broken jars of clay so that people might know that what we have is from God and not from us. I appreciate Paul, who when he spoke about the fact that to keep him from becoming conceited, from knowing so much about Jesus, he was given some sort of malady, some sort of illness or sickness, some thorn in the flesh, so that he would know that Christ's power is perfected in weakness. And he said, this is why I boast in weaknesses, in my weaknesses, in my hardships, in my persecutions, in my difficulties. For when I am weak, I am strong. Christ isn't calling us to put our game face on and get out there and make it happen as champions. There's only one champion, and it's him. All Christianity is at the end of the day is one beggar saying to another, I know where all the bread is. And so if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, 
He who raised Christ from the dead will not only give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit, but He will allow you to give life to other people. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. I don't think there's anything more powerful in Christianity than when you take a step of faith outside of yourself to walk in the footsteps of Jesus, to be Jesus for someone else. See, that's when the current begins. That's when you experience His power as you seek to be His representative at your office, at your hospital, where you do your physical therapy, where you work out. That's what Jesus did. That's what His life and the apostles did. That's what we just did at Cherokee. And that's what God is calling you to today and tomorrow. So don't sit out this one, guys. Don't sit on the sidelines. Experience what it means to be used by God. Broken, needy people who have nothing but possess everything. The kingdom of God is about transformed lives, and the church was formed to be in the transforming business. So, Redeemer, since God has promised to do the transforming, let us be faithful in doing the witnessing. And we'll leave the rest to God. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for sending your spirit, your intimate friend, that we might know him when we are prone to doubt and to wander and forget. Jesus, we thank you that you are in your spirit and that you are our intimate friend. And so we can witness to what we have seen and known through eyes of faith. And that testimony through the power of your Holy Spirit is more than adequate to change the world. By your plan, for your glory, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. We know.